Rolling around at the speed of Breen. Got Breen to Breen. Got a Breen on my Breen hole. Hi, this is Neil Breen. Who's there? Hi, this is Neil Breen. But you should be scared because it is the truth. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 69 Cent Special Halloween. <laughs> that was a, a caffeinated bat. <laughs> I'm very tired. Um, uh, after dark. We just finished watching uh, Fateful Findings. Fateful Findings! Our was, favorite Neil Breen film. I was looking forward to this episode. Above all others. Oh, my God. I never get sick of this movie i think yeah it's it's one of those one of those movies that every time you watch it you notice something new and every time we kiss i swear i could fly oh thanks cascada um didn't know you were on the podcast and our special guest cascada ah we lost her (laughs) oh no that i thought that's a cicada oh (laughs) Oh yeah, it's in the, I misspelled it in the script. Ah, uh, autocorrect, fucker. <laughs> no, uh, don't tell them it's scripted. They'll expect better jokes. Wait, that wasn't in the script. <laughs> <laughs> I know I ad-libbed it. Oh my goodness, I'm so confused and scared. Um, Fateful Findings. So am I after watching Fateful Findings. Oh my god. So we've put more effort this time into figuring out what the hell the plot was. We well, okay, again with a lot of brain films. We watch them in a social setting with imbibements. Shall we say impairments on our judgment? Yes. Some some brain slowers. Some brain slowers, if you will. Uh, I mean, he no, he's still going at a million miles per some hour. Some brainulence. <laughs> brainulence and brain presence. <laughs> um, but what what we've just what I've decided to do because uh, I unilaterally made this decision. Yeah, this was an executive decision by the guy who is in charge of recording it, so um, I can't really. I'm going to read the plot summary from Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And I know, uh, but we're going to I know break all, in. I know all of you guys expect really like accurate plot descriptions from us off the top of our heads. Ab- yes, that, that's what you come to this podcast um, for. But I, we, this one's a fucking labyrinth. This is. And so like I was trying in my head to start constructing sort of an outline of the plot after we finished the movie. But to me, the last... 10 to 15 minutes of the movie derail literally all of my brain cells. Well, and then there's four running plot lines, basically. Yes. So what I thought this time is I'd read through the plot summary on Wikipedia, and we will interject mm-hmm. with, with more detail. Because it, it's a fairly, I mean, it's a jokes and goose three and paragraph, three or four paragraph summary. Okay. It's not very long. That's pretty good. Um, and so we'll interject with details and things mm-hmm. like that. So... Oh, brace your brace your buttholes, shoppers! Um, ooh, ooh, uh, real quick, future yes. TJ, can we get like a like a storybook sort of? Oh. Can I get a Teddy Ruxpin ad? Hello, I'm Teddy Ruxpin. It all started when I found this myth. 
You found a treasure map. Did you say treasure? An ancient medallion leads us to treasure in the hard-to-find city. But first we have to escape from Mudblups and the Gatangs, who try to capture us and take us to the evil Queller. All coming soon on the adventures of Teddy Ruxpin. Teddy Ruxpin, weekday mornings at 6.30, only on KOKH 25. Gather round, gather round, children. Uh, 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 how about gather round, children? That was a little more pedo. It's a little more pedo, less like. I uh, gather round, shoppers. That'll work. Attention, shopper. <laughs> Attention, shoppers. Let's uh, future me. Put some uh, put some intercom effect on that one. Do you want me to press the M key again? No, it's fine. Um, it's close enough to the previous one. I'll remember. All right. Plot. Eight-year-olds, Dylan and Leah. Dylan is played by, uh, well, at this point, they're children. But Dylan is Neil Breen's character, and Leah is someone else. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Discover a magical black stone in the woods. Now, this is, this entire sentence is summarizing about ten minutes of film. It is. Uh, And it's missing... A a creepy goat skull. Okay, yeah. So, the the kids are, like, scampering through the... Gorgeous forests of most likely Mount Charleston, not Char- Northern Nevada, um, and or Northern Arizona. It's closer, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're there with beautiful mountains. There's grass and trees. It's gorgeous. And they're walking around, and uh, the boy Dylan said, "Look, a mushroom," and does the worst Vanna White hands pointing towards it <laughs> as it slowly, as it slowly fades, fades away into like a a bag containing. Someone's mother's jewelry case. Yeah, and yeah, and it's got it's like a little like weird tchotchke hexagon box, yeah. and there's a black like yeah, yeah. D six in it, but with mm-hmm. no pips, and not really like smoothed on the mm-hmm. like not it's, it's not, not regular even. size. Yeah, it's essentially just a fancy black rock. Right. Um, and it's there's a bit also of obsidian. There's probably. a cut. Yeah, most likely. Um, there's a cut to the girl with the most incredulous smiling face I've ever seen. Um, and then, uh, he's like, oh, it's buried treasure. I think, I think those two children had never seen a piece of media before in their entire lives. I think that might be correct. Because they didn't have any idea how to like even pretend to act. Yeah. There was like almost, it didn't feel like there was even an attempt. Like it's just, they were doing. These are a producer's kids. Oh yeah. And and um, it's, I mean, it's very clear th- that Breen is not an actor's director. <laughs> he's barely a, a director's director. He's barely director. a director. He's barely a writer. He's, a, he's barely a Definitely movie. he is a producer. He definitely makes movies. <laughs> well, movies being the loosest term we can use. Excuse me. He makes films? Sorry, these are not midnight movies. The, it's a real... Real feature film Anyway, for families, uh, yeah. So um, they find this buried treasure. The girl writes in her pocket notebook in adults' handwriting. In adults, beautiful cursive. Uh, it's a magical day, <laughs> and then immediately says, "It's a magical day." <laughs> and um, I, I love that scene, not because of the scene itself, but uh, Fateful Findings is sort of my go-to movie besides The Room to bring people into the world of yeah. so bad it's good movies. Absolutely. And uh, so 
one of my girlfriend's friends was over mm-hmm. and uh we put it on because we're like oh we want to we want to show I you believe, this movie i believe she she wanted to see it yeah she, like uh when when my well, girlfriend we, and her were younger they would sort of yeah. riff on movies and stuff like that so it, it wasn't it wasn't a situation of like we're forcing it on someone no 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 um it was it was just like yeah we'll watch it absolutely and we, and we hyped it up a little bit yeah then. we explained it and she's like that sounds great um and so we, she started watching and for the first like 10 minutes which which are admittedly very slow burn they're very slow and it just like there was definitely a sense of like ah oh, fuck she's not she's not into it as soon as the girl said it's a magical day she explodes in she laughter died. and is like i'm on board and ladies I'm and like, gentlemen yes ladies and gentlemen we got him. we got him <laughs> mission accomplished and um oh man that so that's why i love that scene because that's sort of to me the turning point where you know if someone's either gonna love it absolutely well it's the first really funny scene of the movie it's the first genuinely shockingly like incompetent what scene yeah it's that moment of like oh this is what i'm in for they didn't try yeah and you and usually you get like the oh no or you get like a oh (laughs) with laughter um, so that's why I love that scene. Um, so they find the magic rock. Yeah, they find a magic rock. Uh, boy takes it, and then she's like, oh, we need to... Uh, we can't leave it empty. That's bad luck. And there happens to be, I don't know, a grandma's cut-up necklace. Like a bunch of weird beads weird, and gems. Yeah, weird like Michael's ass rock beads. Yeah, colored glass, really. Yeah, really, yeah. Um, so... Uh, that entire thing was summarized by eight-year-olds D- D- Dylan and Leah discover a magical black stone in the woods. Um, she takes the she takes the beads to make a necklace, a bracelet. Or a bracelet. Sorry, yeah, a wrist necklace. Yeah, <laughs> uh, an arm anklet <laughs> for your for your arm ankle <laughs> or for your I, leg wrist. One time I forgot the word knee and I said leg elbow, <laughs> which is basically what that is. It really, I mean, yeah. Like, Except it's got a floaty bone. Yeah, but you understand what I mean. I do. Uh, with Leah's family's departure imminent, the two vow to always be friends, but never see each other again. So yeah, she makes if only. Yeah, she makes a bracelet. There's a whole scene where that she's moving and and, and like she okay. doesn't know how to wave. Neither, Neither of the kids know how to wave. They wave at each other. He yells her name as if he's trying to get her attention. Yeah, even though she's looking at him waving. Yeah, and she's. She's admittedly waving a little Hitlery, a little bit, a little, a little, a little, a little, a little salute uh, there, a little, a little it's Hitlery, a little, a little oof. Um, um, but it's, not it's, not of her own. No, no, no. It's just like a she's she, trying to do like the dramatic. They wave. told her to wave big. Yeah, exactly. Decades later, Dylan, now a successful novelist, we don't know this until later. Mm-hmm. Now a successful novelist is struck by a car, but miraculously survives the accident. It is a Rolls Royce. It is a Rolls Royce. Um, uh, he drops his sidekick. He has a, uh, I think it's actually the LG chocolate. No, the chocolate was a slide phone. It was. Um, but I distinctly remember. It wasn't that, a sidekick either. It was I a, distinctly remember that phone because I think a friend of mine had one. It's like a clamshell. It was, it was like a, a horizontal, it, like the hinge was on the long Very much end. a product of his time. Uh, Not at all the time of the film. No, the time of the film is 2012. So like it should be a smartphone. Uh, yeah, that was like the start of like smartphones and things well, like that. Well, I mean, smartphones really started in like 2009. With the Windows ones and things like Those were different versions of smartphones. Then the iPhone came out. And was no, like, the iPhone was like, like 2009. Was it? Yeah. God I damn. remember. I had one in high school. Shit. I, oh, I had a BlackBerry Storm. That's right. 
<laughs> That's how you can tell we're different people. Yeah. Dude, that we're mean, the same in a lot of ways, but then he has the business. Well, it, it was the first. The BlackBerry Storm was wild because it was a touchscreen and the screen clicked. So you could actually do mouse movement on it because in order to press, you had to click the screen. So could you run Doom on it? I don't think it was powerful enough. It was a pretty slow phone. Useless. It was. It, I mean, it was cool. Useless. Had a cool case. Uh, it was a chunky one. Oh. Uh, side note, tech news. Uh, the companies that deal with the BlackBerry brand, I don't remember the companies, uh, announced that they will be coming out with a phone with a physical keyboard again. So, interesting. That is interesting to me. I don't know if I would obtain that. Some some people miss physical keyboards, so I just thought... I mean, but my th- I got big thumbs. Exactly, yeah. Um, so, the... The virtual keyboard is also bad for me. <laughs> yeah, any keyboard is awful. Uh, but any I don't know. Keyboard sucks. So yeah, he gets hit by a car. There's blood. He's holding the black stone, which we assume a saves of, him. A bunch of um, eyewitnesses saw it. Eyewitnesses. I, I saw it. I don't know why I went like Cockney there. He was Australian, but um, I'm a witness. <laughs> it was a Rolls Royce that hit him. I'm a witness. Witness. I saw it. Ah, uh, um, is he dead? Is he dead? Yeah. A bunch of people will just repeat their line. It, yeah. Almost as if like... So sometimes a director will just say, keep doing it. Uh-huh. Um, and we'll just find the take mm-hmm. in the edit. Yeah. But it was like the the doing it's were too close together. Or like they just didn't cut. Oh, yeah. True, true. Um, in the hospital, he rapidly heals from his injuries, <gasps> I guess, which he credits to the power of the stone. Okay, well, we don't see him do that, but... We don't see him heal, but he has a mask over his face bandage, and the nose oxygen is straight into his face bandage and not his nose. His face bandage is also what appears to be... It looks like a diaper. An inside-out diaper? Yeah, like taped to his face. Um, he's bad. also... It says hospital. It's being very generous. Multi. Yeah, it's... It's his spare guest room. room. Yeah, with a... A gurney and an IV tube plugged into a light source. It's it, it's a fantastic scene to show to someone who's in the medical field and say, find everything that's wrong. Yeah, it, it's like one of those games where it's like, find the difference between like reality and this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, find everything that they did wrong here. Uh, one thing he, one thing they miss here mm-hmm. is there is this recurring character force force thing yeah all we see is black leather shoes and black slacks Mm -hmm. and what happens is he wakes up he rips the well it doesn't rip ivs out he rips the tape off that's holding tubes to his arms yeah neil brain sorry rips these off and uh he walks out of the hospital we see butt we see butt and a little bit back of sack so here here's your uh, back of sack (laughs) here's your sack attack warning Uh, uh, Nickelodeon Sack Attack. Welcome to the Sack Attack. Each one sack one. And he walks out back to his home and gets in the shower and his wife is like, oh my God, you're home. What are you here? How? He's not wearing anything. I left a... I left on my own. Help me. And oh, that's all ADR'd. Uh, we of see, course, because the shower's on. We see her on. butt through a uh, nightgown. Uh, he we is... We almost see 
all of Neil Breen. Almost as Breenus. And, um, <laughs> and Breenus. Oh, God. It is... Uh, it's uncomfortable. But anyway, after he's left, uh, Black Shoes and Black Pants mm-hmm. walks in, stops next to his hospital bed, and then fades away. Uh, we also get a shot of a doctor. Doctor? Um, a lady doctor who, uh, like, oversees his care he's a little bit. He's the neurologist, I believe. She's the she, neurologist. She's the neurologist, yes. Um, and, uh... She's wearing a very familiar looking bracelet. <gasps> and the first like eight times TJ and I saw this film, we did not make that connection. No, it's, uh, it's, it's this impressive. Yeah. Faithful findings. Like, like I said, very early, um, in the stuff we recorded before this time, otherwise known as about 15 minutes ago. Um, my, sorry, my brain shut down and forgot words. Um, <laughs> Good Lord. It is a movie where every time you watch it, you'll notice something different because Neil Breen seems to have trouble figuring out how to frame and emphasize things and in properly. a new horrific way every time. Exactly. It's he, you can definitely tell he's trying different things and not succeeding at any of them. I will say, I think we've discovered a few things in this movie several times. Yes. Like yeah, we we've discovered the same, same thing over and over because again. like. The movie kind of wipes itself a little bit. From it has your brain. that Men in Black effect of yeah. like just flashing your well, brain at it the just, end. It inundates you with like, what the fuck? Yeah. By the end, you're like your brain is getting DDoSed. Yeah. By like all these what the fuck moments, and you're like, uh, and then you shut down, and like that sector of your brain's hard drive just gets wiped. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's like when you like you're running too much shit on your computer, and it like has to. Like it just has to shut down. Yeah, it's starting going to disk instead of memory, and it's just getting really, really slow. Uh, and it just it just turns off, and then it turns back on. You've lost all your work. Yeah, and she's like, "Fuck, autosave saved like not l- two hours ago." Yeah, um, but it does mean every time you watch this movie, it's a new experience. It's a new hellish experience. Um, so to continue, mm-hmm. uh, in the hospital, we wrap heels. Returning home, Dylan reveals to his wife Emily that he has not been working on a new book, but has instead been using his hacking abilities, a theme through Neil Breen's movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, to uncover, quote, the most secret government and corporate secrets. Now, hold on. Which he plans to publish in an expose. So we just skipped like 40 minutes of movie. Uh, I would say about 15 minutes. It feels like 40. It feels like 40 because it's a very slow part of the... Um, it's, it's, it's trying to establish things. Notable things that happen. I believe he throws away his pills in this part. Oh, yeah. So there's an amazing scene... Uh, so one of the, one of the subplots through the movie Mm -hmm. is that Neil Breen's wife is using his, uh, pills. What's her, what's her name in the movie? Uh, Emily. Emily? Okay. Emily. Yes. All right. It does not sound like an Emily. I know. Sounds like a Olga. (laughs) Well, she's a German lady. Yeah. 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 Uh, what's the actress's name? Clara Landrat. Yeah. Um, lovely lady. And um, uh, no one in this movie but Neil Breen is like into it. Well, <laughs> I think there are a couple people who are. I think David Silva's pretty into it. Ah, David Silva's a. I love him. He's a peach. He, we saw him back in, uh, was it Time Warrior? Time Warrior. Ah, another movie made in Las Vegas. Um, and that one sent us to a different time period as well. <laughs> 2008. Woo! <laughs> Ah, Vigi Games. Um, 
But anyway, yeah, so he there's the scene where, like, he's better. He's typing stuff up. Mm-hmm. There's a call. Uh, there's a scene where he gets a call from his, like, book agent his or publisher. something. His publisher. And they're like, uh, We want more book. Yeah, timelines. I'm not dealing with your deadlines. Deadlines. I have my own I, deadlines. I'm not going to sign your book deal. <laughs> Whatever. We get that almost exact same call later in the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he, so he's sitting there. He's got a bandage on his head. And uh, there are a couple scenes where he's like, oh, my brain. And then he, like, collapses mm-hmm. um, just to emphasize, oh, he's got injuries. And uh, so he's like, where are my pills? Where are my pills? Where are my pills? And then he yells that to Emily. Cut to Emily in the bathroom. She's like, I'll get him. She opens the medicine cabinet, grabs the pills. Steals a couple, puts them in her couple, pocket. Yep. And then assumingly and, tosses them to him from well, off screen. Well, she like w- presumably walks it over to his room and then th- tosses yeah, it. Yeah, thank him. you. Thank you. He grabs it, looks at it. I don't need these. <laughs> and then he gets up, goes to the bathroom and flushes them down the toilet. <laughs> Neil Breen, you asshole. It's so good. You asshole. You you, you just sent her but there. But even better, he just dumps them in the toilet. He doesn't flush it because yeah. his wife comes in because she's like, don't do that because she's been using right. and uh and so he leaves the bathroom without flushing the toilet with the pills in it and she reaches into the toilet and grabs the pills out of it yeah oh moto mm. bene it's uh it's so it's so good just that immediate turn i will say there is a bit of a uh, not subtext but there's definitely neil breen definitely has that clear like opinion of psychological medication mm-hmm. uh that's fairly old at this point where it's like oh pills are just a crutch you can get better on your own sure. sort of thing which i mean doesn't really jive with me but it doesn't jive with me either but like it's not really super central to the it's, movie it's also not very well like it's not well laid out right it's just sort of there in a it's, few places it's actually pretty clear that from my reading of the movie that he's wrong yeah because clearly these people need help. There are several interpretations of this movie because there are no interpretations of this movie. Um, There's no official ones anyway. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So he talks to his wife about how he's he hasn't been writing his new book. Mm-hmm. He's been hacking. Uh, hacking national and international corruption. The most secret government and corporate secrets. Yes. Yes. Uh, his commitment to the pro. Uh, back to the summary. His commitment to the project is tested by his wife's descent into drug addiction, <gasps> and uh, that's a spoiler. Uh, I'm going to skip that part. Uh, just, oh, it, it literally like... Yeah, it says and wow. something. Uh, as well as the... Oh, and that's... Oh, this is actually like a proper like laying out everything sort of plot. Just do it then. Yeah, so uh, his commitment to the project is tested by his wife's descent into drug addiction and eventual overdose, <gasps> as well as the con- constant sexual attention paid to him by his best friend Jim's underage stepdaughter. Oh, she is underage. It says underage here. That makes it more creepy. The okay. actor's definitely not. No, um, absolutely not. So, that was a lot that's that a, I just said. There's a lot of movie there. There's a lot of uh, things to explain. So, the eventual overdose part, that's the end of the movie. We'll get there. It's it's like in the last like half hour. It's it's the, the denouement. Or or the it might be the climax. Um, it, someone's climaxing. Ooh, Nelly. Um... But the underage stepdaughter thing doesn't really start to become a thing until like the last third of the movie as well. I would say the the halfway. Halfway, yeah, okay. Let's yeah. I'll, halfway I'll, to last third. Okay. Uh, so we'll we'll move on from that mm-hmm. until then. Uh, 
Wow. Just do it. Okay. Later, Jim himself is murdered by his wife for turning down her, her own sexual advances. Okay, hold on, hold on. That's what that was? Uh, I, I guess. I thought that was the reverse. I thought it was the reverse as well. That he's making sexual advances that she's not reciprocating. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like I want to bang. I want to have sex like, again. And she's no. like, no, my back hurts. And this was like they were both in bed, and I thought he got up and went oh. to work on his car. Brief, brief aside. Sure. This is yet another Neil Breen movie where not a single bra is seen. Again, yes. Absolutely correct. Um, so uh, no wonder, ma'am, that your back hurts. She had a large bosom. Uh, no support. No, she has no... Ah, uh, is that a metaphor? No, it's because every female in the movie has no bra. Um, but also, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Um, Danny Fant. So he goes to work on his... He has like a Ferrari in his right. garage that he works on. That's sort of like his outlet for his sexual frustration. And when we say frustration. works on, we mean... Polishes, polishes the, same, the part same side mirror of the the same part of the side mirror. Yes, uh, distraught, she stages his death as a suicide, which we will get to. Mm-hmm. One, it's probably the most infamous scene in the movie. We can we could honestly probably like cover these scenes as they come That's up true. in the in the summary. In the summary, okay. So uh, so okay, so he he ahead. gets spurned. Um, mm-hmm. They have a brief like uh, wine fight. Oh yeah, yeah, splashy splash, um, splashy splashy. And uh, Splish Splash, they was taking a bath in wine. Like a fucking Greek emperor. Greek? <laughs> Roman. Roman emperor. I will take a bath in garum and smell like rotting fish. Yeah, but like, what would the Roman emperor say? That was the emperor. <laughs> I know. I'm implying that that's your weekend. Ah. Touche. Ah. Um, that's too, a lot of garum. Tushy. Tushy. Um, so he goes to polish his mirror. Not a <laughs> euphemism. Nope. The movie would have probably ended up better for him if it actually was him yoinking it. If it was a euphemism. Um, Maybe it actually is. She gets. Breen seems like a prude. She gets a gun, has mm-hmm. relatively good trigger discipline despite very bad gun safety mm-hmm. protocol. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, she goes to the garage and says, I'm going to fill this, shoot damn this damn car all full of holes. Yeah. I'm going to shoot this damn car all full of holes. She has like a New York or New Jersey, I think yeah. New York accent a little tiny bit. Um, and he's like, no, no, wait, no. Bang. Shoots him dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, the daughter magically appears. You killed him. Slow turn. To look. Like, uh, daughter <laughs> attempts. Yeah. Daughter attempts to run to him. Dad. Mom blocks him. No, 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 no. Go call 911. She puts the gun next to him. She calls Breen's wife. He, I drove him to suicide. Uh, Neil Breen somehow makes it in. Mm-hmm. Side note, mm-hmm. this will go into the next scene where Breen's wife thought she drove him to suicide. Correct. Because there was a party earlier when Breen meets bracelet girl this is why the the plot summary is a little bit annoying it, it well it's just trying to explain the movie rather than lay out the plot linearly correct uh which is fine so do we want to does it actually go into the like party later or let's see uh no okay well all right then then we'll do it uh yeah because leah is the name of yeah it says up there leah mm-hmm. what well, this was the young girl that dylan was friends with yep now she's back Bracelet. she still has her notebook 
And bracelet. And bracelet. And a phone with a ringtone that's literally just pressing two buttons on a phone. Yeah, they're, boop, they're at, boop. There's, a, there's a barbecue going on at... Uh, the Breen household. The Breen home. Dylan's. Dylan's home. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, okay, a lot of stuff happens at this party. Yes. None of it is good. We don't know why Leah or her husband were invited. I assume it's because she was the neurologist on his... Uh, like when he was in the hospital? Yeah, but did anyone talk to her? No? Yeah, so I'm like, this seems like a thing for friends, but I don't know Why how. Why is she there? Oh, yeah, see? Maybe someone knows her Husband? fiance. Fiance, that was it. Who oh, looks like, d- definitely that's a that's a diddler. He's a, he's a diddleman. He's the diddler. Ugh. I love to diddle. Ah, diddles. Um, um, Diddle Kong. Diddle Kong is my favorite toy for dogs. And um, <laughs> nope. Uh, I was uh, just trying to think of something that wasn't a video game, and I thought of Kong. You know those toys. Yeah, I know. Why did you try to go not to di- not to video game? I was setting you up for Diddle Kong Racing. <laughs> Diddle Kong Racing. <laughs> and then the Mario Party Three theme song just popped in my. Did did it all right so um at this party uh party dylan runs into leah dylan um they briefly touch hands and he's like <gasps> very lewd it's you oh this is the lewdest very it's it's basically pornography it's it's how this didn't get like a rating <laughs> how this didn't get sent into the mpaa it just baffles me this is Faithful findings, more like faithful horn dogs, am I right? More like fucking. Got them. Fucking findings. Fucking findings. Faithful fuckings. There we go. Nice. Got it in three. Got it in eight. Um, Got them. That's par for the course, baby. <laughs> it's a par eight? It's a par eight. It's a really long golf course. Jesus. <laughs> you got to go like across sand the Sand traps city. everywhere. <laughs> it's the desert, baby. <laughs> it's just one big sand trap. <laughs> it's just the desert and you have to find the hole. <laughs> There's no flag. <laughs> then it's really impressive that it's a par eight. Yeah, if you get it in a par eight, it's like, ooh, well done. Uh, so, yeah, this barbecue is like, it's you. It's really you. It's like that moment of like, oh my god, it's you. Oh, yeah, like, like when I you've like when you've like reconnect with. Yeah, like when you're in college and you see someone like you know in elementary school. I did that. Or or like middle school. Yeah, for me it was elementary school because uh, I went to elementary school and out of state mm-hmm. moved here in middle school. So I went back to that same state for college. Mm-hmm. And so a few people that I knew from elementary school went to that college because they were still in state. And I was like, oh, my God. A few of them, I'm like, I'm glad I don't talk to you anymore. But uh, most of them, I'm like, oh, it's so good to see you. And they were super sweet. Um, but yeah, it, it was sort of that vibe. Yes. Except it was, we were... With a lot more disgusting sexual tension. We were children and in love. Uh, yeah, and Breen wants to bang. Um Breen horny. Also occurs Breen at this want bang. <laughs> also at this party is um what's his name? Uh Jim and his wife uh Jim Jim is the one I care about. Jim hits on Emily. Yes. Cuz um, he's drunk. Cuz he's he's a he's an alcoholic. He's an alcoholic. Um he hits on her. And she spurns him, and she thinks later. Jim's wife is Allie. Um, 
she thinks later that Jim killing himself was her fault because she didn't. She spurned him. She spurned him. But like that doesn't make any goddamn sense. No, it's because he seemed to like shrug it off pretty. Yeah. I mean, he like, was very drunk. He, he stumbled. He dropped the corn. He stumbled and knocked over the corn. What uh, it became floor is... corn. <laughs> uh, uh, go listen to New, uh, Neil Cicirega. Put that shit in the show notes. Neil Breen Cicirega. Neil Cicirega. Welcome to the Neil episode. Uh, what other Neils can we talk about? Neil Armstrong? Uh, he went to the moon. Uh, Neil... DeGrasse Tyson. Oh, yeah. He uh, looked at the moon. And uh, he's kind of an asshole. Yeah. Uh, a bit a bit of a, a bit pretentious. And, I think uh, there were allegations at one point. Oh, boy. Um, Neil. Oh, what are the Neils we got? Uh, Neil. Young. Is he a musician? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope Neil Young will remember. Southern man don't need him around anyhow. It's from uh, Sweet Home Alabama. That's a different band. That is. I don't even know who it was. Kevin, find that. <laughs> you know what song this is, Kevin. Yeah. Um, and Neil is is one is one of the characters. Patrick Harris. Oh, Neil Patrick. He okay. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, is one of the characters from Frasier named? Oh, Niles. Sorry, I'm thinking of Niles. Uh, the stepdad in the Santa Claus is named Neil. There you go. There you go. Uh, uh, Neil, what you do to genuflect? That's I, I was just about to also go there. Niel, <laughs> uh, 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 as opposed to your right knee. Um, <laughs> also, my favorite Kryptonian, Niel. <laughs> anyway, uh, the knights who say Neil. Oh fucking hell! Um, so Neil before Zod. Um, nice. <laughs> uh, so to so yeah. So uh, to get it, yeah. So, that's a whole thing, but the the suicide scene in particular, well, suicide quote unquote. Uh, so, she shoots him. Yep, and tries to play it off as a suicide. Yep. Neil Breen makes it into Dylan makes it into the <laughs> Dylan into the uh, garage here in his garage, uh, and is like, I can't believe you committed suicide. It is. I cannot believe you committed suicide. I mean, my favorite thing about the whole scene is he runs in and like holds his friend up, you know, in that dramatic right. like, oh, you know, the the Obi Wan holding Qui Gon sort of pose. Yeah. Um, and he looks at him and like there's blood coming out of the tube behind his. You neck. can see the tube. You can see where the blood's coming from, and uh, like the first thing he does is like touch his face. <laughs> right. He like touches all over his own face. He's like a bloody oh, hand. Oh no! Oh blood! Um, and he's like. I cannot believe you committed suicide. And I was like, yeah, I can't believe it either. Because like... I cannot believe it. it I cannot believe you've committed suicide. It doesn't make any goddamn sense, Neil. And then his last line was, I can't get you out of this one, Jim. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's trying to be witty. Oh, Neil. <laughs> Is that wit? Well, he's trying to be... Cl- like... I don't know the word. Uh, he's trying to be... He's trying to sound smart in yeah. some way. Yeah. He, well, he's trying to sound Clever. like... their Their relationship was real close and... And can't like, get you out of this one. Can't get you out of this one, the Jim. Like he's dead, Jim. He's, I mean, Jim's You're dead, dead, Jim. Yeah. Uh, oh, does that make uh, Neil? Uh, does that make Mr. Breen bones? Well, he does, but uh, <sighs> several times. Whew, I mean, you know, there are no sex scenes in this movie. Only implied. Thank God. So there, it's not like the room where it's just like, you are my rose. You are my rose. You are my rose. Um. 
go watch the room if you haven't why are you listening to this podcast yeah seriously christ it's uh we're not that funny it's yeah wait wait, uh sorry when you go to watch the room leave this on but on mute so we get the full download oh yeah we appreciate it uh so where were we (laughs) sorry so that that's a great that's that and the um I'm trying to think of, like, the, the core, like, memorable scenes. The suicide scene's fucking hilarious. That one's good. Um, um, anything in his jack hut. There is one scene before we get to the suicide scene where they're, uh, Jim's family is invited to dinner. Oh, yeah. Can I have mine, please? Um, and, like, several things occur. Uh-huh. Um, no one is funny or at ease. Nope. No food gets eaten. Nope. Um, Jim spills his Miller Lite. It's literally water in a Miller bottle. Um, I think they might be the same Miller bottles as uh, I am here now. now. Probably or at least the same brand. Yeah. Um, and then ask, can I have some wine, please? Can I have some wine, please. Um, it is the stiffest dialogue. <laughs> Stiffer uh, than the daughter. The underage daughter is like. I can't wait for dinner. I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I can't wait for dinner. Um, and she is very clearly high out of her fucking. Board. Oh, she is. She is begonzoed. Um, nobody. Yeah, nobody has like. Nothing feels natural. We dialogue. described it as the dialogue you would read in a like yeah, yeah, foreign yeah. language book to it's, learn the language. It's the answer key to like a foreign language worksheet. Yeah, it's like there are sentences where it's like, oh, this is the sentence where they introduce a new word. Um. <laughs> Or a new sentence. I want structure. to hear about her project. Yes, I'm hungry. I can't wait for dinner. That one you learn about, like uh, supporting verbs. Can I have some wine, please? Yeah. Uh, and then the, the Neil has like one compound sentence. Yeah. It's I'm like, going oh. to shoot this car all full of holes. <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> um, it'd be really funny if you just hid all of these lines. In a foreign language learning book, I would do it. I would do the. I would do it. Call it the the fateful learning series. Yeah, and uh, and then get sued out the ass by Neil Breen. <laughs> uh, he would, yeah. But um, so anyway, let's go back to the thing. Yeah, let's hit it. So, plagued by disturbing dreams of a mystical book, which is the very first thing we see in this movie. R- yeah, as the camera the... dollies through a storage warehouse. Wait, that's a handy cam, not a dolly. Handy cam. Okay. Um, you can tell because it's shaky and there's no track. Uh, there's no track and it's shaky. Got it. A dolly needs a uh, track. Got it. Um, Dylan begins seeing a psychologist. No, it's a psychotherapist. A psycho, yep, psychotherapist. Uh, who helps him unearth repressed childhood memories. Not, not explained in the movie. Not at all. Um, mostly he, uh, like says, you were successful on your last book, yeah. weren't you? Yeah. Why aren't you writing your current book? I'm trying Take to your damn pills. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then uh, Neil Breen says, I'm feeling less stable. And then immediately hard cut to him walking down the stairs. Yep. Doing so causes Dylan to realize that the doc... No, it doesn't. Okay, hold on. Doing so causes Dylan to realize that the doctor who attended to him during his recovery from the car accident was an adult Leah, and the two are reunited, quickly beginning a sexual relationship. That is not what happens. I don't think that... I don't think the psycho... psycho well, not the male one. Right. The female one. Well, okay. It's weird because he has, he has two psychotherapists at one point. Dr. David S. Lee. And yeah, David Slee and Dr. Uh, uh, Andra. Andra. <laughs> and um, so Dr. Uh, Andra, the lady. 
Um, uh, who, we describe her who, uh, as someone who looks like they definitely own a cauldron. Yeah, she's definitely a movie witch. Yeah, but like more like a tarot witch. Is yeah, that yeah. how I think of it? She, she's the one that makes like a dire prophecy at the beginning of a movie. Yeah, but is also a, a nice person. She's on the hero's side. Yes. She's a little ostensibly. cryptic. Ostensibly. A little cryptic, but... Or not. she's on nobody's side. It's true. She's just... Yeah. Um, but she, she talks about how... He's got she, a power. She sort of helps him realize that Leah is there, but at that point, I thought he already knew. He did. And... It feels like the the timeline of the movie might be all fucky. I mean, there are definitely points where there are flashbacks and stuff, but it seems generally linear, so I'm kind of actually confused by the summary. Um, but they do quickly begin a sexual relationship. Uh, there is a... Very quickly. Very... Uh, they fuck at a lake. They fuck at a lake with ducks. And geese. Uh, geese. Uh, learning about Dylan's plans to publish the expose, a mysterious assailant kidnaps Leah. Okay, is that... So this is... This we're oh. in the last, like, well, yeah, it's like the there's like one paragraph left. Okay, I was gonna um, say we're in the last twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah, this is all sorts of jumbled. This summary, but uh, a lot happened between those two things. Now, we'll say a lot happened. Not a lot happened. It's true. Not a lot happened, but a lot of movie existed. Yeah. Um. Now, when normally when we say not a lot happened, but a lot of movie existed, which is fantastic and needs to go on a shirt. <laughs> um. <laughs> Please send us $20. <laughs> yeah, we'll send you a shirt written in Sharpie. Um, it's a collector's item. Yep. Never wash it. One of zero. Whoa. Whoa. Divide by zero, bitch. Banana. Oh, um, banana. Uh, golden common. Golden <laughs> common. Uh, Hearthstone joke. Um, nice. What was I did? Oh, yeah. Normally when we say that, it's because we're complaining that a movie has bad pacing. Mm-hmm. That's not true of this. No, it's just incomprehensible. The movie does have bad pacing. Oh, it does. But in a very fun way. In a very roller coastery sort of way. It, it's badly paced for the actual plot. There are cuts that give me whiplash. Oh, yeah. My fa- one of my favorite ones is I'm feeling less stable. Immediate. Hard cut to him leaving. Yeah. <laughs> like smash cut. <laughs> That's such a good one. Um, there's, I, there are so many smash cuts that are just I love like, when, am I supposed like, to read something from that cut? <laughs> I love when there's like a, uh, like something happens and then we immediately cut to like the next day. Yeah, exactly. There's no transition, no establishing shots, nothing. It's just like, we got to get this fucking plot on the road and we're going a million miles per hour and then we slow down to 12 miles per hour. Yeah. So Neil Breen can say one thing. Yeah. It's like all the editing happens at light speed. Um, but all the things between the edits happens at a snail's pace. So between uh, most of the movie and where we are now in the summary, yes, Neil Breen has destroyed approximately twelve thousand old laptops. Oh, he—that's that, another thing. Through uh, a lot of his movies, is old laptops specifically Double Down and this one. Yes. Um, so I think he bought an assload of old laptops, old broken laptops, because you never seen them turn on. No, not only are they never seen turned on, but like anytime he's actually using it, the screen is turned actively away from the camera. Mm-hmm. And he is clearly typing nonsense. Um, sometimes telepathically. Sometimes telepathically. We'll, we'll let you find that one out, uh, shoppers. Yeah. This this one, I don't want to. I don't want to go too deep into all of the scenes, all the little things. Um, I will say my favorite laptop destruction is the coffee. Oh, classic. 
um, because it's so long and so drawn out. It's so melodramatic. It's oh, mm, it, yeah. is, it is it over is overacting in a play, over dramatic. Dude, and yet it's done entirely in close up. Yep, it's so it's eh, so it's good. a medium, but it's close. It's in. We're we're too close to Neil Breen. I mean, that's any scene. But um, <laughs> not not true. Where he's talking on the phone and smiling, about to be hit by a car. We weren't too close. <laughs> not according to my restraining order. Um, you have a restraining order? No. Does Neil Breen have a restraining order on you, or do you have one on him? Let's find out. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> Good restraining order morning. Um, so what if that was our play? Grom. That was our. That was our. That was pod- our ploy. Yeah. We have restraining orders against everyone we watch movies for. Um, so, basically, what happens between the party mm-hmm. and what I just read? Because we get suicide is in there. We get we get Jim's quote unquote suicide, uh-huh. and we get Breen's wife's actual suicide. That's the yes. overdose. Mm-hmm. So, uh, she there, there's like a conversation while where, he's out with banging leah. leah yeah and a forest at a park you know at the at the, the it's at the forest yeah it's at the forest where they right right where, where, they found it, the where it was a magical day right and they uh, have another magical day i mean ooh, in the genital way a magical day a genital day <laughs> it's a genital day i hate that <laughs> i hate every part of that joke oh god Even i love it's... well i don't i don't actually like this i like this from an entertaining to watch sort of mm-hmm. way how insanely uncomfortable the actresses are with neil oh, breen okay i have never seen a couple less married than neil breen and uh dylan and his wife emily it, it's it's in this acting film. that so utterly and completely breaks the fourth wall because you can see what the actor actress is thinking like in the case of the shower scene early on in the movie where Breen is better and he's in the shower naked except for his face diaper bandage <laughs> and uh, he's spilling <laughs> strawberry jelly down his uh-huh. leg. Yep. And she gets in and they're pressed against each other. Breen is naked. And you can tell he's not... Like, he's not socked up or anything. He's not wearing anything there. No. Now, granted, I don't think he's, you know, into it. Proud. Uh, Standing tall. Say. Uh, no, probably not. Because like this seems like an awkward situation for everybody involved. Yeah, no, he's got cameras on him. I doubt to the to the point where I think he might have been rethinking this shot as he was shooting it. The, both of their faces were for what we could see of Neil. Oh God, like like especially like, hers because there's like near the end like he they kiss, mm-hmm. but it's the actress looks so petrified and her eyes are closed to where it looks like just get it over with, just get it over with, just get it over with. Yeah. And it's just like stoned, like not stoned, like drugs, stone. but like, like petrified, like yeah. stone, puckers lips enough to make it look like it's a kiss, eyes completely closed. It's incredibly it, it's uncomfortable. It's a very like close your eyes and think of England sort yes. of deal. Yes. Close your eyes and think of Dusseldorf. And um, um, Luxembourg. Luxembourg. Um, Brussels. That's everyone that kisses Neil Breen in this film. Yeah, I will say the actress who plays Leah g- uh, looks a little bit better. Sure, it's still but like, not like not a lot. It's not like two actors with chemistry. No, it's not. 
It's no. not like two actors with acting ability either. Um, right. It's one actor with acting ability, and that's Neil Breen. Yes. No, I'm kidding. He's really good at one character, and that's Neil Breen. <laughs> right. Who exposes all of the government and corporate a lot of the time, secrets that are a secret. A lot of the time when like, you have a bad director, and they're just like, just do it how you would normally do it. Um, that causes a lot of actors to just be like, uh, I don't know what the fuck I would do in this scenario. Mm-hmm. I, there's an alien in the shot. Yeah. You know? It's green screened in. Um, so it's like, uh, what? Uh, <laughs> you know? But that's also usually with a badly written script. True, true. And what I'm saying is this movie was both badly written and direct. It's, um, it is a train wreck of, of, Incompetence of epic proportions. It is like, because there are bad movies. There's, there's a ton of. We've seen many, many bad movies that are not that are just bad, mm-hmm. poorly written, poorly produced, poorly edited, poorly I, paced. I can think of several that we've seen for the show, and a lot of them are genuinely not fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They're just bad and frustrating. Yep, and because they tend to have one or two elements that are bad but not enough to make it so incomprehensibly amazing. Most most of those movies are mostly mediocre. Yes. And then a couple parts they that are, are bad. They are passable with some parts that are weaker. Yes. Um, like, even if they're wildly inept. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Birdemic. Yes. Is actually not that fun to watch. It's it's more it's more frustrating than, than um, things like Fateful Findings. That's for sure. And I think that's because it doesn't have anything that's, I don't want to say it doesn't have anything that's fun because that's so hard to quantify. Right. But there there are so many points where, like, because one of the things I noticed about Faithful Findings, having, I mean, we recently watched Birdemic again. It was mm-hmm. maybe a couple months ago. Yes. And from what I, like, I mean, I've seen Birdemic like three or four times at this mm-hmm. point. And uh, I mean, granted, a couple of those times we're watching the riff tracks, but those make it very fun um yeah that and like but a social setting makes a lot of bad movies better exactly uh especially with uh, stuff etc uh with its accessories mental accessories with electronics boutique Good. software etc tasty and uh but the thing with several scenes in, like because birdemic is wholly incompetent Yes. It is poorly shot, incredibly poorly acted. Um, Shut up. Oh, okay. Not you. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's poorly shot, incredibly poorly acted, um, poorly written, uh, the, poorly implemented the, message. The special effects are bad. Special effects are legendarily bad. But there's there are points in Birdemic where the incompetence isn't funny. It's frustrating. Because it's like you could have... It, it feels like they didn't try. Yes. and and But with, with things like Fateful Findings in the Room, there is a definite effort behind it. They're trying. There's a so, genuineness. So hard. It, with, with those movies, the, the amazing part about The Room, Fateful Findings, mm-hmm. any Breen movies, honestly, is that you can clearly see the man behind the movies. And the man behind the movies is so but fucking sane mm-hmm. or deluded or your choice of words. And it comes through so naturally through the medium of a movie. Like I don't particularly like auteur theory, mm-hmm. um, which is the theory that like 
the director is the one that like leaves the most imprint on a film. Yeah, I I don't know if I'd agree with that um, either. Some for some directors that's true. Right. You can always tell a Tarantino. Yeah, some you, some directors have much more of a control. You can always over tell a Scorsese. You can always mm-hmm. tell a because um, they have very distinct yeah things. Uh, a Spielberg oh, or, uh, or um, who's the the guy that did the Fox puppets uh, and the the Grand Budapest. Oh yes, um, he has such a distinct style. Is that Wes Anderson? Wes, Wes Anderson, Anderson. Yes. Yes. Um, but you can you can ver- like you see a movie and you're like this is a Wes Anderson. Yes, film. exactly. Um, you can always tell a Coen Brothers movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always tell a Breen. You can at, you can always tell a Breen. Yes. Uh, not not least of which because Neil Breen is in it. I mean, yeah, you have the whole written, directed, and acted in, but sort of thing. But the idea is that you get a lot of the like persona of the director very specifically in the film mm-hmm. and this causes a lot of people who are in film school to think very highly of themselves that they're trying to be a director um not really realizing that it takes a long time to get there it takes a lot of time and a lot of a lot of just doing it before you really Especially establish a doing style it, <laughs> doing it poorly doing it poorly and to someone else's specifications yes because then you, then you start to understand, like... How you would do it. Yeah, you, you start to develop a taste. And mm-hmm. the only way you can really do that is by doing something a lot. Exactly. Um, um, for example, I've developed a taste for... Uh, uh, nothing. I don't do anything. <laughs> Help. <laughs> Help. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, with things like... Well, hobbies. Sure. Like, miniature painting. Like, there's so much information out there about pretty much any hobby you can think of. Mm-hmm. The, and there's so many, like, how to do this, how mm-hmm. to do that. And all of them are mostly right. Some of them are just, like, definitely wrong. But there's, like, 18 different ways to skin the cat. And the only way you can really figure out how you want to do it is to do them all. Like, you can't really just decide. It's like, sure, some sometimes you'll gravitate towards at least things do that you them did until earlier. you get the one that you want exactly the like one if, that feels right to you yeah because you'll figure out like okay this one i like the result of but it's harder this one it was a lot easier but i don't like the result of and you start to where can fig- i find a midpoint here yeah you start to put these tools in your toolbox mm-hmm. and then you start to understand when to use those tools or which tools you gravitate towards um and so a tour theory can really be boiled down to um how a director picks their tools. Exactly. Um, Neil Breen has chosen the tool of question mark. <laughs> he really enjoys putting screwdrivers through a table with a hacksaw. <laughs> he does. He loves doing that. He, uh, it's, it's amazing. There's no tool that Neil Breen likes more than hacking. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Oh. Nicely done. But, um, cause one, I guess, Going back to the whole comparison with Birdemic, um, I guess the thing that makes... Because, again, just to reiterate, Faithful Findings is, at the very least, my favorite Breen movie. I think it's yours as well. It is mine. It is just how... As of recording. Uh, as of recording, I mean... I'm you, willing to be surprised by... With whatever he comes out with next. Or with the next two movies in... That's true. Well, I mean, Breen. we will be sort of analyzing them for the first time analyzing. rather than just... Oh, mm, wow. Insert Breen. And um, <laughs> the new- I have water in my mouth, you asshole. <laughs> but um, 
oh fuck but the comparison is like the th- like with with birdemic the the scene in particular that i'm thinking of is the opening scene of the car driving. The 45 minutes of car the driving. The 45 minutes of following a fucking Mustang going too slow down a California highway. Mm-hmm. It goes on forever. With a, mo- with a droning soundtrack. With a repeating droning soundtrack. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it's funny at first. Like, the third time that the music loops, uh-huh. and like we get like a fade from car driving to car driving but down a different part of road it's it's almost like a bait and switch it's like a, okay that's pretty funny yeah and then it keeps going yes and, and not the, in the funny sort of oh my god is it still going sort right, of way right um, it's it's uh with breen movies it's like the terribleness doesn't outstay its welcome and it changes it's new and interesting every time it is and hilariously that maintains itself across watches there's there are some parts of fateful findings that i will say do outstay their welcome. Yes. I think the the intro is a little long with the two kids. No, I think that's fine for me. Yeah. I, I think it's a tad The part that I'm long. thinking of is the supernatural, like, everything's moving in his house sort of section. Oh, yeah. That's way too long. That's um, by far the longest. It's like 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, um, and we get the same shot of, like, the mirror shaking, like, yeah. four times. Yes. Uh, basically, anytime that Neil Breen reuses a shot, it's oh. probably overstayed its welcome. Yes. But it is funny because usually only does it once. I'll except if double down. If you watch double down, essentially it's the same forty-five minutes. Which is why we're not doubled, talking about it. Doubled down. Um, well, it's the same thirty minutes three times. True. Triple down. Um, so we talked about Breen and Leah start fucking. Oh, we're back to the plot summary. By the uh, way, learning about Dylan's plan to publish the expose, mm-hmm. a mysterious assailant kidnaps Leah. It's a kid in a hoodie. Uh, and he uses uh, hydrogen, hydrogen peroxide yep. instead of chloroform. Uh, the funniest part to me about this sequence is, uh, the next sentence will explain the later part of the scene, but Neil Breen, Dylan, he walks up, is on his phone. He called Leah. Like he's, he's talking home. to her, her like answering machine. Yeah. It's like, I'm walking to our front door. <laughs> he's like I'm, narrating right. his movements. And, and like he sees her purse and your purse is on the <laughs> ground. <laughs> And he's like kneeling down. And I see your phone. <laughs> and I see your phone. Leah, Leah where are you? <laughs> I will find you, Leah. <laughs> oh, because the, the kidnapper like dropped the little yeah. sticky note that had where to take her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like, it's not, a, it's not a brilliant deduction. It's so... It's so odd. Mm-hmm. It's so like unnatural. It's, it's such a weird design choice. Like, who chooses... To have their movie work like that. Yeah. Um, it, it seemed like he was writing the like the scene out as, oh. Sorry. Uh, there there leaps? might be a bit of a revelation in this, uh, this plot summary. Or some, or some logical leaps. Or some weirdness. So uh, Dylan rescues her by teleporting into the kidnapper's compound. It's a trailer. He has, uh, he has teleportation powers. He suddenly now. has teleportation powers. He does powers. also kill uh, the kidnapper Oh, kid. he destroys him. Uh, going to visit his psychologist one last time, mm-hmm. Dylan learns that she is, in fact, a ghost and that he must now face the Council of Spirits who guard the book he has long been seeing in his dreams. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. Okay. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. I, I, I now, just... What? that happens in the film. Yes. But he... Do, I don't know that he finds out that she's a ghost. I... I there was... She's I, very clearly a ghost. Uh, Leah? No. The, the oh. psychoanalyst. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, they used the word she because the previous sentence was talking no, no, about no. Leah. This is Dr. Aandra. Yes. Yeah, he learns that the psychologist is, in fact, a ghost and that must, he yes. must now face the Council of Spirits. So, okay. Yeah. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't find this out from her. No. She just disappears on camera. Yeah. She just fades away. I think we're meant to infer that he now knows that. It's... Somehow. It's incredible. And then and then he's in the desert talking to a bunch of like spooky ghosts and the book. And like it comes out of fucking nowhere and is not explained. He asks them if he should be afraid and they disappear with the book. And I'm and like... And that's it. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? I... I, I uh, it's... Okay, if it's that's utterly what that, baffling. Okay, hold on. Yes. Does it say Council of Spirits? Was that the Council of Spirits? Quote unquote. That is amazing. It's incredible. It's the Ghost Council of Orzova. Oh, uh, dude, they have haunt. Oh, well, they got haunt. Dylan publishes his book, hosting a press conference in which he divulges the most secret government and corporate secrets. Mm-hmm. During his speech, an unknown figure attempts to assassinate him, only for Dylan to kill him using his psychic powers. Wrong. That, no, someone shoots him. Someone shoots him. We never see who. Right. Uh, and he does like a little like look like, whoa. Yeah. Got him. Uh, later, having been exposed, numerous politicians in the most hilarious ways possible. Uh, and, and CEOs. Business people and presidents of banks take their own lives in public exhibitions to applauding crowds. The suicides aren't public. Some of them, a couple of them are. Uh, one of them is, two of them, are yeah. we? Are they known just to be shoot public. themselves right there? Um, one hangs himself in private. One uh, slits his wrists in his right b- uh, bath. Uh, I the lady uh, <laughs> kills herself from the car exhaust in her garage uh, by closing her windows. Yeah, she closes her windows. So she doesn't do the hose into the car body or anything. Yeah, no, hey, um, we're gonna put a content warning at the beginning of the. Yes, I can use the same one from, there was a different uh, episode where we had a content warning. Uh, yeah, but this one is specifically for uh, self-harm. I think that one had self-harm as well. It was the ginger snaps. Right, okay, yeah. cool. We're Reuse good. that one. Yeah. Um, good call. Yeah. And uh, it's it's done very, like, humorously here. Our favorite one. Uh, is, is this guy. Is this guy. He uh, He's in his car. <laughs> he's. He has a bottle of pills. Now, the <laughs> he puts it in his mouth. Yep. And like, he's very clearly trying not to laugh. He's stifling he definitely back put laughter. a Skittle in his mouth. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's like... <laughs> and like, he gently lays his head like on his car, like steering wheel. Me. It doesn't actually honk, but like you can tell that like, he's thinking, what if it honked? All right. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, it looks so much like he just saw like an old person trip and he's trying so hard not to laugh. There is a there's a video playing like in front of him of like an old man on a trampoline. Yeah. And, and just he, like snapped his leg. Just like fucking ate shit. <laughs> and then like did like a little hop to get back up and then he's dying. Oh my God. Right. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, probably my favorite scene in the whole movie. Oh, oh I wouldn't say that's mine. It's, it's one of the most... Shoot hilarious. that car all damn full of. That's a great. Shoot that scene damn car too. all full of holes. But the, just good. the unrelenting hilarity of the uh, the final. That scene mm-hmm. is the only one in the movie where the character on screen is on the same level as us. Yeah, like we're both thinking the same thing, bud. This is hilarious. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh, I mean, oh, and the coffee. The coffee's great. Um. 
every other scene where he destroys a laptop. His mission complete. Dylan and Leah return to the place where they found the stone in the woods as children. Yeah, they do that. That's all they do at the end. Um, and that's the movie. It's I I do I think ev- basically anyone what like listening to this episode should go somehow see Fateful Findings. Go watch Fateful Findings. It is so good at being bad. It is. I love the power glove. It's It's so so bad. bad. It's such a unique bad movie. There, like in my mind, there's nothing else like it. At least that I've that I've seen. Yeah, a lot of bad movies they do wear on you, right? Mm -hmm. I can only watch The Room basically once a year. Yeah, because it's like I mean we've watched it a bunch of times, and it's good good every now and then. But but, like I don't want it to eat away uh at itself, you know. Mm -hmm. It's it's got zero sum. Yeah. And like Cool Cat Saves the Kids, right? Yeah. A classic, but you can't watch it too many times. No, your brain your brain will fall out of your ears. You you you're a child and you you're skipping cuz you're a child. Yeah, and we're going to parade to see the Starsky and Hutch car or whatever the fuck it yeah, was. Yeah. Like you I can't watch that movie too many times. It gets too creepy for me. <laughs> That's a horror movie. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, we should have watched that one for Halloween. We should... Oh, that's true. Uh, that's we're true. not gonna, but... Okay. okay. I mean, I'll, I'm willing to be convinced otherwise, but... I mean, we do have an episode releasing on Halloween. <sighs> yeah, but like... But I'd rather watch like an actual scary movie for that. Yeah, and do we want to... just bought a few more. Do we want to do five... <laughs> new old stocks New in old stocks in the that's same true. month? Yeah. Like, these four are fine, because, yeah. you know... Yeah. It's Breen. It's the Breenman. Uh, okay, so, but this one, this one, it, you said it best. It, it's new every time. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to watch it like two times in the same month. No, but it's it's a bad movie that like once a month. Uh, I wouldn't say once a month. Once every couple months. Every. You can watch it more often than the room. Yes. And easily, yes, and that's sort of true with uh, a majority of brain movies. Yeah, I'm not going to say all of them. I, I will say Double Down. No, no, Double Down. Sort I think of, probably I am here now. Now could uh, could overstay its welcome. Yeah, not a whole lot happens. I think a lot of the fun with I am here now is not the movie itself, but thinking about the movie. Yes, and talking with other people about the movie what this damn piece of garbage it's oh god it's just like trying to interpret what the living fuck is going on in Breen's it's a head. it's a fun one to analyze it's brain movies are like trying it, it you're playing psychologist yes because <laughs> you're like what is going on in this man's enigma of a head the inner machinations of his mind are an enigma it's wild it's it's I a wild them. trip to make another live-action Batman movie and have Neil Breen as the Riddler. Oh, my God. He would be... <laughs> Hot take. He would be the equivalent of the Dark Knight Joker. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Because he's, like, genuinely incomprehensible. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's, like, scary. I. That does actually probably not make him a very good Riddler. Because Riddler's supposed to be goofy. The whole well, no, the whole thing about the Riddler is he is comprehensible. Oh, true. You just gotta think a bit. Because his whole thing is that he's a riddle, mm-hmm. wrapped in a. It's supposed to make sense. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna tell you a riddle that doesn't have any goddamn solution. True. 
he's not the Joker. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, so he'd make a good Mad Hatter. <laughs> ah, there you go. Um, but yeah, it's like, um, it's and and I guess I guess the, one of the big reasons that I think this is our favorite one is it's surprisingly the most easy to follow in the moment. In the moment, yes. When you're thinking about it afterwards, you're like, none of that made sense. I and the, and I, honestly, I think it's actually one of the... F- this movie has a lot in common with movies like uh, Up in Smoke and Dude, Where's My Car? Mm-hmm. In that when you are inebriated, it is easier to follow. Yes. Because it seems like... Because you're not trying to fucking think. It, it, it seems like Neil is trying to put details everywhere to lead the viewer somehow. Mm-hmm. He's just so bad at it. Or or it's like, okay, when you know when you like have intimate knowledge of a subject? Yes. And you're trying to explain it to someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the knowledge that is obvious to you because you've been immersed in it, uh, such as like you you made a game. Mm-hmm. Or you things become intuition, right? Yeah. You you're in it, mm-hmm. um, and you're trying to explain it to someone, and they're not getting it, mm-hmm. and it seems so obvious to you. Yes, I think that's kind of what's going on here. Actually, that's a fantastic point. He think he, I think he thinks it's very obvious. Yes, he's just poor at communicating that. Which is why there, there's this clip of Neil Breen talking at a festival or something. Mm-hmm. Um. And someone asked him what the deal is with the baby heads and yeah, I am I here now. Yeah. And he's I'm like, here, I am here now. Uh, I up. am here now. <laughs> Don't you know? Oh, what's uh, in this? What is in this movie? <laughs> um, that's a good question, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's you a, and I will never know. We will um, never know. So they asked him what the deal is with the... <laughs> Sorry, continue. With the baby heads. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's like, I'm not going to tell you what it means. Yeah. It has several meanings. It has several meanings. And if you're watching the fucking movie, it has no obvious meaning. No, they're just there. It just looks like I decided to put this here. I found these at a Spirit Halloween. Or like a dollar store. Literally ripped them off dolls. Right, you wouldn't even have to go to Spirit Halloween. Like we, were, like we, having watched the movie multiple times, we're still trying to piece together a semblance of an idea what, of what they could be. You don't really get that in I Am Here... Or in um, Fateful Findings. Mm-hmm. Because everything does have a very clear, I think. Yeah. Except for... Uh, Black Pantsman? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a very different movie. I, I, I would describe it as everything clearly wants to have something behind right. it. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's trying to it's tell intentional. me... It's intentional. Because the baby heads almost seem meaningless. They, they almost seem just like set dressing. But the everything is trying to tell it. It's trying to tell me something, but I, it's like watching a toddler try to tell me a story. Breen put it there for a reason. We just have no idea what that reason is. Right. Oh, there's um. I think was it a Monster Factory episode where, uh, one of the people was like, "I feel like this game is trying to tell me something." But I can't at yeah. all tell what it is. I think that was uh, Monster Factory. Yeah. Um, might have been Dark Souls. Might have been. Um, was it the Louis Anderson episode? No. <laughs> okay. 
Definitely uh, the, not. The, the reason I was laughing. Yeah, hit me. Is I uh, clicked on Neil Breen's Wikipedia. Oh, good. And uh, this was the photo they use. <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> It's one of those photos that someone snapped when your eyes were The thing closed. about Neil Breen is that he kind of looks like everyone's, like, you said it very early on. I said on. he looks like everyone's lesbian aunt. And I think, and then you immediately said, looks like a born-again Christian. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> he looks like everyone's lesbian aunt got older and became a born-again Christian. Yeah. He's, uh, he's got shapes. Um, he's got colors. Uh, Neil Breen is an American independent filmmaker, character actor, architect, and real estate agent. Didn't know that last one. Oh, that one's pretty... His films have generated a cult following for their poor acting, writing, and editing quality. Well, he is 61. He is. Uh, he has five movies. He's only... Wait, hold on. He's only 61? Only 61, yeah. He's had some hard living. Yep. Uh, let's well, see. Well, I don't know that about him. His first... Uh, yep, 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 yeah. Yep, yep, yeah. 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 Uh, Breen's I Am Here Now was ranked 21st in Paste Magazine's 2014 list of the 100 best B-movies, with the author, author noting that he thought Breen would one day earn a place in the terrible movie Hall of Fame. He I, definitely has. I think I think that's true. Uh, alongside Ed Wood and Tommy Wiseau. Mm-hmm. Breen's third film, Faithful Findings, was compared to Wiseau's The Room by the former film's North American distributor mm-hmm. Panorama Entertainment. Yep. Uh, Twisted Pair was released in 2018. Mm-hmm. That that is one we will be doing in two weeks. Two weeks time because we got to get through pass through, and we got to pass through. Uh, and as of March of last year, Breen confirmed that a sequel to Twisted Pair is in development. A direct sequel. A direct sequel. We will get to that point when we talk about Twisted Pair because that's that's a fun thing to think about. Um, I'm the most apprehensive about Twisted Pair. Because I remember the least about it. Oh, we were the most gone watching Twisted Pass. Because I remember basically nothing about Pass Through. Mm-hmm. Pass Through is, I mean, it's but sort of like an seemed, I'm here now sort of thing. But yeah, Pass Through seemed to be incomprehensible anyway. Yes. Well, it's another one of Breen being an omnipotent being. Sure. Sort of movie. A real human Breen. And a real human. Um, it's, uh, but anyway, uh, final words on final findings <laughs> i think fateful final findings final destination seven no items fox only <laughs> um i think this one is still my favorite it's it, yes. it definitely ranks above i am here now it's definitely the one i've watched the most yeah absolutely. because i can't not go back to it it's it's like a <laughs> it's like when you go to like a fast food place and you know that the burger is really fucking terrible for you but God damn if it's not good. It's bad movie comfort food. Yeah, really. Um, uh, and I think everybody should have something like that. Yeah, it's 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 to, it's almost the archetypal guilty pleasure movie. I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I don't either. But for those who do think there are... If, like, if you hadn't asked me what my guilty pleasure movie is, I would definitely say fil- Fateful yeah. Findings. Filthy Findings? No. <laughs> filthy Franktings? Um, oh, dude. <laughs> if Filthy Frank did Fateful Findings... I cannot believe you committed suicide. <laughs> I almost went into what's his face. <laughs> Get over here, bitch. Um, <laughs> I've watched all of one Filthy Frank video. I've actually, uh, I've watched a lot of like analyses of. Oh, interesting. I have not seen any of his those. work. Uh-huh. Um, uh, once again, I'm going to plug Quentin reviews. Uh, hey. He has a very good video on that. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about like, uh, Filthy Frank as satire, because mm-hmm. um, it is. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's 
almost it, I'd call it and correct me if I'm wrong but the way I see it sort of is like modern shock comedy it's different than like it is a par- is a deliberate parody of shock comedy yes it's almost postmodern shock comedy it is um because um, like and, and the key part is that in a lot of parodies of shock comedy and a lot of parodies in general mm-hmm. um the person doing the parody is not the butt of the joke yeah but filthy frank is always the butt of the joke he is the center of the joke yeah um it's he is always the bad yeah you're not per- supposed to like like him like he's- there are some times where like you like he's affable mm-hmm. like you're like he's when an he's, asshole <laughs> like when he's talking to you yes like when talking to the camera mm-hmm. but he's he's sort of like has that for lack of a better term, like abuse the audience. Sort he's of not quality. a good person. No, and he's, he's filthy never, Frank. He's never made out to be a good person. Right. Um, you're never meant to really. You're not totally agree with him. Right. It's 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 almost like a weird. And he's he's abrasive, like as a character trait. Yes. Not like as a joke. And it's interesting now seeing George Miller in his music career. Oh yeah, Joji. Joji. Yeah. His real name is George Miller. Oh, I didn't um, know Joji is uh, how you pronounce his name in Japanese. Hmm. Uh, he is, I believe, Australian. I don't. I, Japanese. I never got an, anyway. Never got an accent out of him. No, he doesn't have one. He doesn't have an Australian accent. I think one of his parents is though. Mm. Um, he speaks Japanese too, which is cool. But yeah, he, he's. It's really interesting because yeah, a lot of Filthy Frank was filmed in Japan. Yes, I think he lived there for a while. He did. And um, one of the interesting things about Filthy Frank was. One of the, like, uh, George has sort of, I don't want to say suffered, has dealt with sort of mental yeah. issues his whole life. And um, the Filthy Frank character was one of his ways of, like, I don't yeah. want to say dealing with it, but it's coping. Yeah. And um, so it was interesting, like, one time he did upload a video where he was, like, himself talking about yeah. things. And it's really, I find those videos really interesting, like, seeing the person behind the character. And I think to me that just, that makes it better that it's just a character because sometimes that line can be blurred in a different way than like uh someone like the nostalgia critic hides behind a character right i don't think where they're saying things that they mean but they're hiding behind a character they're using the character as sort of a meat shield from criticism the filthy frank character is like he's it's completely different he's a 180 from yes the it's like daniel tosh like um you like you don't have to like his comedy or like him, but Daniel Tosh has severe social anxiety. Sure, like almost paralyzing social anxiety. So he puts on the he puts on the sort of character for his stand up as a means of sure. dealing with that. It, it's that sort of same similar thing. Um, in a more nerdy, uh, go for it reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an ethos behind Spider Man. Yeah. Uh, he's a dweeby kid, mm-hmm. and then he puts on the mask, and he suddenly has, you know, 25 charisma. Yeah. He's almost the opposite of Superman. Yeah. Because Superman puts on the character of a... Of Clark Kent. Dweeby Clark Kent character, yeah. whereas Spider-Man puts on the character of a superhero. Right. But it it's... That character then informs the yeah, real person. Obviously. Um, but anyway... Uh, because yeah, that, that stuff's always fascinating. Um, yeah, psychology and stuff. Would you say that we play characters on this? <laughs> the answer is no. I, I hope not. I've never once. Who am I? What am I? What am I? Oh, that would have been. Oh, that would have been a fucking great one for 
two weeks from now. Oh, I know. Well, isn't that... No, that's that's Twisted Pear. Oh, you're right. Who am I? <laughs> what am I? Or is it... No, yeah, that's definitely it is. Twisted Pear. It is definitely Twisted Pear. Who's there? Well, spoiler alert. Um, Not really. It's place out. Gorilla Radio. <laughs> Turn that shit up. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 remake. I'm not ready for this. Cruz's biological mutant warfare plan must be stopped. I've hacked into just about all the information. You're gone. No more books.